Hi, this is your old pal Marcus from Los Angeles, California. The Sound of Young America is an independent production supported by listeners like you and me. If you'd like to donate to help support the show, visit MaximumFun.org and click on Donate. Live on tape from my house in Los Angeles, I'm Jesse Thorne, and this is The Sound of Young America from MaximumFun.org. Radio sweetheart, on the airways, it's the sound of Dougal, I'll tell you something happened to me once. It was years ago. I was staying with my great aunt in her house in Connemara, (laughs) which is a big house miles from anywhere. Apparently, during the Great Famine, a cruel landlord and his beautiful daughter used to live there. The story is that he forbade the daughter from marrying a young soldier, broke her heart, and in her despair, she hung herself in her bedroom. The room that I was staying in was that very bedroom. I remember it was icy cold and lit by a single candle. I was drifting off to sleep when suddenly I heard a strange creaking noise from the far corner of the room. Was it a ghost? No. (laughs) So no, I've never seen a ghost. It's the Sound of Young America. I'm Jesse Thorne. My guest on the program, Graham Linehan, is uh, the writer and co-creator of a number of British television series. At the age of 25, he uh, co-created, along with Arthur Matthews, the now classic sitcom Father Ted. He created Black Books, uh, a cult favorite here in the United States, and uh, another legendary series in the UK. And most recently, he He's been working on the IT crowd. He's you're shooting what the third season or, or the third series, I should say, uh, right now. There, right? Yeah, that's right. Third third series. So we're on episode three. And the first and no, second. I'm, that was I'm kidding. <laughs> the the first and second series uh, are currently running on the Independent Film Channel here in the United States. Uh, Graham, welcome to the Sound of Young America. Thank you very much. Uh, nice to be here. It's a it's a pleasure to have you. You started your writing career um, quite young as a journalist, as a columnist. A- at the time, did you uh, imagine for yourself a career in comedy? No, I, I just kind of slipped into it because um, uh, when I got to uh, England, I wasn't as Ireland was a very small pond, so I had a kind of free reign to write uh, whatever kind of journalism I wanted to write and to write about the bands I wanted to write about. And as soon as I got to England, um, you know, that changed and I wasn't really allowed to write in my style. I used to use the personal pronoun a lot. You know, I used to say, I did this, I did that, and use it, uh, you know, because I was a big Woody Allen fan and I I, I, I used to use it to make fun of myself. And as soon as I arrived in, in this English magazine, one of the first things I saw was a memo saying that no one was allowed to use the word I in any of their, in any of their pieces. So I, I was basically immediately emasculated <laughs> as a comic writer. So, um, so I, I quickly got frustrated with all that. And, um, and a friend of mine, Arthur Matthews, uh, we'd been writing some comedy together in Ireland and we just we thought we'd give it a go. How did you conceive of Father Ted? Well, Arthur, um, my writing partner, he, he used to do uh, Father Ted as a, as a stand-up character. Um, uh, and uh, we, just, we just always liked the guy's voice. Um, it struck us as quite as an, an, an amusing and 
amusing kind of uh, tone and 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 funny lines seemed to seem to kind of just appear whenever whenever Arthur was using this voice. You know, he used to do uh, he used to do gigs and he he'd say things like. Um, if anyone at the back can't see, say hello to them. They're from St. Kevin's School for the Blind, you know, and he do <laughs> gags like this. And uh, and it was just a very light. We, we I observed as well among my family and friends that, you know, when you're when when, when you're a kid, your, your parents uh, with, with their friends, they tend to speak in this kind of light um, kind of. Uh, oddly superficial way, as if they're scared of talking about anything deeper than the weather. And 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 I always found that quite funny the way they'd try and avoid any kind of dark subject whatsoever. And that lent itself nicely to Ted, who 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 who's always you know trying to steer the conversation away from things he he actually doesn't know anything about, like religion. <laughs> you know, he doesn't want to think about it too much because he knows it doesn't really make sense a lot of it. <laughs> There you are. <laughs> I hope you had a nice chat. <laughs> oh, it was great. I think I reached some very interesting conclusions. Oh, uh, about what exactly? Well, it's nonsense, isn't it? <laughs> what is? Religion. Uh, well, think about it. Very little evidence. Blind faith, that's all we have to go on. There's not a shred of proof anywhere. Nothing. Aliens. Now, there's something that might just be possible. <laughs> Everlasting life. Big demons sticking red-hot pokers up your ass for all eternity. <laughs> I don't think so. The whole religion thing, I just don't buy it. Were there figures in your childhood uh, uh, that informed that character? Not really, no. But there were. I guess there was an element of um, you know. I was I was uh, taught by the Marist father fathers in Ireland, um, and uh, we had our we had a the occasional hip priest who'd who'd try and do a folk mass by getting everyone to sit in a circle and listen to U um, two songs and stuff like this. And <laughs> it, it was kind of uh, that that embarrassment and and that kind of. Um, trying to be hip thing i guess that kind of uh, some of that went into ted but really it was more it was more my family and friends and uh you know my my mum was a big influence on mrs doyle the housekeeper who's so polite she 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 can she can't really get through a conversation without offering anyone tea or someone tea or something like that and, and basically um it was really just uh it was really just observing the world of adults i guess you know in ireland when you're growing up you know I mean, I don't think I ever heard a serious discussion amongst adults, you know, when I was a teenager, you know. Do you think that there was something that was particularly Irish about it? Was it in any way a reaction to moving to uh, England from Ireland? No, no. In fact, I always swore I would never write anything about priests or, or anything like, or the countryside because I hated all that stuff growing up in Ireland. The the things that I was obsessed with at the time were, you know, were the things that everybody is is of my generation is obsessed with. Um, the Simpsons and um, Star Wars and and you know British TV comedies, American TV comedies. Um, you know, the, the, the Ted was actually more of a, 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 we really wanted to do a live action cartoon and The Simpsons was very much in our head of, 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 of television. That was the other problem with a lot of sitcoms is that they're often um, more like radio shows. You know, there's actually, they're very, not very visual. And uh, The Simpsons, I, we, we used to watch The Simpsons and just think, why aren't more TV shows 
as visual as this, you know. And, and of course, the answer, as we soon found out, was because it's very expensive, you know. <laughs> Most of the television series um, that are live action that have followed in the steps of The Simpsons, shows like, um, you know, Malcolm in the Middle or Scrubs that uh, sort of wear, us, wear that Simpsons influence on their sleeve, are single camera sitcoms. And um, you've been very committed to the traditional live audience sitcom format. Why was it the choice for you? Well, I guess, first of all, it's, it's, it's possibly to do with habit because we started off on TED with an audience and, um, and it just kind of, you know, we, it's something I'm used to and it's something I enjoy. But, you know, there's, there's a, so occasionally I'll read something online or, or someone will say, you know, why do, why, why do we need a laugh track? We don't need to be told when to laugh. And that's not really why I use one. The reason I use one is because every week you, you rehearse um, the show into a state where you, you're hoping that the audience will laugh at nearly every second thing that's said by one of your characters. And that pressure, it really, really, you know, piles on when you know you're going to have to do it in front of a studio audience on Friday. So it kind of forces us to be funny and it forces the comedy into, um, you know, I guess more of a gag based um, area and and that's where I kind of like it, you know. I, I I like gags. I like I like big performances. I like, you know, things that are larger than life. And and um, I I think it just puts me under a lot of pressure to make sure the show is as funny as possible, knowing it's going to go in front of an audience. You know. That said, I love Malcolm in the Middle, and I, and I think they do a great job of doing it without without you know they, they just seem to be able to do it without any of that but but in in their case i guess they they probably have more than one writer you know but it, it, it's kind of hard for me to in a vacuum just think well i'm going to write a really really funny show uh <laughs> you know on my own and you know and not have an audience to kind of force me into uh coming up with better gags you know do you feel like that pressure ever um, ever is negative? Like, do you feel like you lose something by feeling that pressure that everything has to be funny? Yeah, a little bit. I mean, um, the thing about audiences is is often um, you have to kind of ignore them, you know, because sometimes out of nervousness or or uh, a desire to please, they'll, they'll laugh at things that aren't actually jokes, you know. So that's the worst thing because the audience at home just sees something that's not funny and, and, and wonders why there's laughter. And I think it's one of the things that's led to this myth of canned, canned laughter, which is, which is uh, you know, which I'm constantly complaining about, you know, and I'm constantly asking the audiences who come to my show, will you please write on your blogs or letters to the editor or whatever, just tell them you exist and you are here and you are actually laughing, you know. <laughs> but it's those moments that... As I say, when an audience laughs out of nervousness or because or because they're not used to the rhythm of of a show, and and you know sometimes you can make the mistake of actually thinking, oh well, that laugh is deserved. I'm going to leave it in, and it's not. It's just it's just <laughs> there's there's one thing in in, a, in an episode I'm otherwise very proud of uh, of the IT crowd called a work editing, uh, where Roy is in a disabled toilet and um, and the camera it just opens and you just see him in the toilet and the audience laughs, you know. <laughs> 
And for some reason, I left it in. And I, I, I look back at it and I think, what, what the hell did I keep that in for? You know, because it's just the oddest thing, an audience laughing at a man in the toilet, you know. But it could be just a British propensity for uh, toilet humor, you know. It's the sound of young America. I'm Jesse Thorne. My guest, Graham Linehan, is the creator of Father Ted, maybe the most important UK television series of the last 15 years. His new show, The IT Crowd, is currently running on IFC. The sitcom is a very particular format, which requires, unlike, say, sketch comedy, which really all you're asking of it is to be funny, it, it requires you to create a world that viewers want to come back to over and over again, a sort of a, a, a place where, where viewers w- want to live. Mm, um, where everybody knows your name. Exactly. Um, <laughs> not to put too fine a point on it, but yes. Um, how do you achieve that when you're doing a series that um, has a, a fair amount of surreality to it and, and some big silliness? God, I, I, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I, I think basically you just, you just cast, um, obviously, according to, peop, you know, to, to how funny someone is, but also, you know, whether they can, they have a bit of warmth to them. You know, I mean, I mean, the reason that Father Ted was was as as big a success as it was over here um, was because um, there was a lot of warmth in the relationship between Ted and Dougal. It was almost um, paternal, you know, um, how Ted felt about Dougal. And, and, and in fact, uh, if you look at Father Ted, despite this kind of uh, situation being about three priests and, and a housekeeper, it, it, it's, actually, it's actually kind of like a family. You've got a father and a mother and a kid and a grandfather. And, and I think it's things like that that we didn't realize we were doing that, by the way. We didn't do that deliberately. But all these pieces just fell into place and suddenly we realized we, we had a little family. And I think things like that work on a subconscious level and, and, and make people very, um, co- you know, they make people comfortable enough that they're able to laugh at the jokes. It, it, it's kind of the difference I think you'll find between The Simpsons and Futurama. You know, The Simpsons is a family and everyone feels very comfortable. They know where they are and they kind of um, enjoy the show uh, because of, because of, you know, partly because of the, uh, um, the recognized, how, how recognizable it is the situation. But with Futurama, which kind of is about a bunch of 20 somethings who are kind of hanging around together, it's harder to define those relationships and it's harder to see where you are with it. And I think it's one of the reasons why Futurama wasn't as big a success. It's the sound of young America. I'm Jesse Thorne. My guest is Graham Linehan. He's the creator of the television programs Father Ted and the IT Crowd. We'll have more with Graham in just a minute on The Sound of Young America from PRI Public Radio International. Production of The Sound of Young America is supported in part by Ask Metafilter. Thousands of life's little questions answered online at ask.metafilter.com. The Sound of Young America Forum is now open for business at MaximumFun.org. Join other listeners and yours truly in discussing the latest shows or the latest happenings in culture and the arts. Just visit MaximumFun.org and click on Forum. Welcome back to The Sound of Young America, a public radio show about things that are awesome. I'm Jesse Thorne. My guest on the show, Graham Linehan, created Father Ted, probably the most important British comedy series the past 15 or 20 years. You've also written for the first season of this of a very funny sketch series called Big Train, 
and uh, contributed material to uh, The Day Today and Brass Eye, which are two of the, certainly two of the funniest television programs I've ever seen, but are also among <laughs> the least warm television series <laughs> yeah. that I've ever seen. Um, they're n- news satires, which are absolutely unsparing and unrelenting, and also spectacularly, almost unfathomably funny. UK used to mean United Kingdom, but ask anyone today and they'll tell you it stands for Unbelievable Crime Wave. No one is safe. By the end of tomorrow, one or all of these people may have been set on fire, bum-raped or burgled senseless by Britain's marauding criminals. This month, police pictures showed another estate in Manchester turning itself into a gun. So much for recorded crimes, but crimes we know nothing about are going up as well. What hope do we have of battering these down? What was it like to write for those kind of shows relative to to writing for a warm-hearted sitcom about some uh, uh, daffy priests on an uh, on an island? Uh, well, it's it's all, I guess it's more like uh, in the case of the day today in Brass Eye, it's I, it's slightly more like the American model in that um, we we often it would be a room full of people at on the day today pitching ideas and and on Brass Eye it was Arthur and I and and um, Chris Morris um, just chucking things back and forth. Um, so, but um, I I I don't know I I love that I love that system you know I'm not. There's a bit of preciousness over here. We're very proud of the fact that we don't use the, the uh, you know, writing teams to make our TV shows and so on. But but at the same time, I I really I like the idea of a writing team. I I love the, the uh, you know the kind of one-upmanship of sitting around the table and trying to think of something funnier than the thing the previous person said. You know, it really brings out the best in me. And um, you know, it's just a blast. But but a, but a, a, for different reasons than this. Uh, then, then the sitcoms are a blast, you know. Yeah. Little short moments of, of of fun, you know, that rather than a sustained, um, I guess, opera, <laughs> you know, where everything has to be. Sitcoms, you have to tie things together and, and make sure that everything's consistent and, you know, the characters are behaving in, on some level in a realistic manner, whereas with sketch shows, each sketch presents a different problem and a, a different way of writing and, and you know, that's... Uh, it keeps you on on your toes, and it and it's uh, it's just it's a lot of fun, you know. Are there things that you contributed to uh, or Brass Eye or the Day Today that you're particularly proud of? Um, on, it's funny, cause, yeah. I guess on Brass Eye we had this gangster in called Mad Frankie Fraser, and we asked him um, we asked him to graph how we we gave him a thing called a Mad Frankie Fraser machine or something, and we asked him to graph how to mark how mad certain things made him, and to get him to join in with that was uh, was 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 a lot of fun. Um, and you know, we 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 got um, celebrities to read out uh, prepared statements to the camera that were just ridiculous, you know, and and it was just the feeling of power of, of seeing someone. <laughs> <laughs> facing the camera and reading something out that it just makes no sense whatsoever. It was 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 wonderful, you know. Um, but I guess I mean with Chris, I always I, I, my favorite things are always the more surreal, uh, less I guess less mean things, you know, the the kind of things that make me laugh out loud are, are the lighter things, you know. Like he had, <laughs> I remember one, uh, I, just a shot of a bus traveling along, and 
and Chris's voiceover says, um, uh, you know, in, in it's something about being kind to animals, and it says something like in 1972, um, 6,000 flies were given a free holiday. <laughs> you know, it's presumably inside this bus, you know, and things like that just really tickle me. Um, tell me about how you came to write the IT crowd. You'd been you'd been relatively quiet in television for a few years. Um, yeah, trying to bang my head against the closed door of cinema. <laughs> <laughs> Let's start with that. What was the what was the challenge of writing film for you when you'd already been ext- extremely successful writing television? Well, that that you, you, the kind of answers in the question there. I mean, I I just felt well, I've kind of done it. I've proved I can I can do it, and now it's time to see it. Because basically, we we wrote an hour-long Christmas special uh, for Father Ted, and I was astonished at how difficult it was to write uh, as soon as it got over forty minutes. Suddenly, it just got really unwieldy, and and I realised, oh wow, well this is all the, the these are all the things that I I need to learn if I if I'm going to be able to write films, and so I tried it for a while and. And I don't know, it, it kind of, I wrote a couple of things and, you know, it's just the, the, the financing and all that sort of thing. It's just, it's just, it, 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 it's, it's too uh, time consuming and annoying. So I finally gave up on that and I decided, I, I realized, wow, if I come up with a sitcom idea, I, I'll probably be able to get it on TV next year um, because of the success of Ted and things like that. And, I, and that kind of really lit a fire under me, you know. Um, and also, I have to say, you know, it, it was it was partly to do with two things. It was kind of to do with me, my meeting my my wife and and the idea of a woman coming into a, a very male environment um, and disrupting it started to interest me. And I was really uh, I was really becoming a big fan of sites like Boing Boing and 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 noticing how the internet was changing things. And I thought this is kind of uh, stuff that people aren't really doing any comedy about and and maybe I can be the first um and and I was kind of toying with it and and then one day my wife said you, you could call it the IT crowd or the it crowd and um and and when you have a good title then suddenly everything everything you know it's like it's like god saying you know what you should write this right now because you need to get something out that has a title that good <laughs> I, I, maybe it doesn't seem good to anyone else but I loved it as soon as I heard it something clicked inside me and, and, and the show was um, a little bit easier to write as a, as a result it's the sound of young America I'm Jesse Thorne my guest Graham Linehan is the creator of the British sitcoms Father Ted and the IT Crowd so, so. first day yes scary yes don't be scared well I'm not really scared you should be well I'm a little bit scared well don't be make up your mind <laughs> So here you are. <laughs> yes, um, really looking forward to getting to grips with. I'm going to put you in IT, because you said on your CV you have a lot of experience with computers. <laughs> I did say that on my CV. Yes, <laughs> I have a lot of experience with the whole computer thing. You know, emails, sending emails, uh, receiving emails, deleting emails. Um, I could go on. <laughs> Do. The web, using mouse, mices, using mice, um, clicking, double clicking, um, the computer screen, of course, the keyboard, the bit that goes on the floor down there. The hard drive? Correct. Uh huh. Well, you certainly seem to know your stuff. Got settled. Got a good feeling about you, Jen, and they need a new manager. 
The setup of this show is uh, two IT trouble desk employees for a large organization who work in a sort of underground den in the building of this uh, in the building of this uh, organization, and uh, they're assigned a middle manager um, who, as you as you said, sort of in, invades their space. Um, how did you approach writing these two guys in a way that wasn't just, um, you know, that wasn't just a pile of nerd cliches? <laughs> well, the thing I the thing I tried to do was um, I tried to make the uh, the nerd stuff the background rather than bringing it up front. So I I. I there's a there's a thing I have I call penetration, which is if you're writing about an area that's in any way, uh, um, you know, uh, what's the word? If you're writing about an area that's unique in any way, then then the things you have to write about are things that penetrate into people's lives. So I wouldn't write something about, for instance, um, one of the nerds, um, you know, uh, deciding to switch over to. Uh, a Mac rather than a PC or, or you know, ch- deciding to learn how to write CSS or whatever it happens Maybe to be. Maybe picking a build of Linux. Exactly, exactly. Anything like that. So I had to avoid stuff like that and talk about talk, talk about things that people immediately, you know, grasped, like, uh, you know, Facebook or, um, uh, and, uh, you know, there, there's something that Boing Boing has always been very interested in, which is uh, you know, copyright and, and uh, copyright issues and, and, you know, downloading movies and stuff like this. So it was all those types of things, things I felt, you know, people would be, um, people would have some kind of glimmer of knowledge about. And so as a result, I just, I, I just, I, I, I kept all the kind of nerd references and, and, and all the kind of um, heavy geek stuff. That's kind of the set dressing, you know. So people can, you know, the, the, the people who the show is about can, can enjoy all that stuff um, on one level while everyone else can, can just enjoy the comedy and ignore that stuff, you know. But I would say, in a way, you know, part of, my, part of the thing that made me want to do it was I did want to write a show that had a, as its central figure a, a really a real uber geek you know just someone who who had the voice and the glasses and the whole feel you know i just wanted to write for that kind of character and and richard ayoetti who 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 uh, plays moss the show in a way was built around him i i, I cast him before anyone else and and in conjunction with the title he was another thing that kind of made me think oh this is coming together you know Hello, IT. Have you tried turning it off and on again? (laughs) Okay, well, the button on the side, is it glowing? Yeah, you need to turn it on. (laughs) Um, The button turns it on? Yeah. You, yeah. You, You do know how a button works, don't you? No, not on clothes. Hello, IT. <laughs> Yaha. Have you tried forcing an unexpected reboot? No, no, there you go. No, there you go. I just heard it come on. No, no, that's the music you hear when it comes on. No, that's the music you hear when it... I'm sorry, are you from the past? Do you relate to Richard Ayoetti's foil more than you do to him? Well, I, I tell, the thing about it is Richard is me aged about 16 and Chris is me aged about 25. 
Um, so, you know, it's great having them together, having arguments, because it's kind of a sk- nice, pleasantly schizophrenic feeling, you know, because um, there's still things that, that um, Moss would be into that, that I, I still like, you know, and, and I guess I guess it's two kind of geeks, you know, it's, it's um, the computer games loving, uh, computer loving geek uh, on one side who likes science fiction Dungeons and Dragons and all that sort of thing, and then on the other side is the kind of music store geek, who's kind of rude and and uh, uh, you know snobbish about their tastes and 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 that kind of thing. And 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 I just thought that it was a nice a nice combo. The kind of guy who might uh, quit the journalism business because he wasn't allowed to uh, <laughs> use the first person pronoun. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. And to be honest with you, I'm not I'm not really uh, usually a fan of writing characters that are too close to myself. But I felt I could I could do it with with Chris and the character of Roy because uh, I thought it would be I could put him I, I basically I thought I could torture him and I wanted to torture my younger self because I'm kind of ashamed of who I was <laughs> you know <laughs> like I used to be um, you know my my love life for instance was an absolute car wreck you know and I thought wow I can write about all that kind of misery that both happened to me and, and that I spread and uh, and I can kind of uh, make amends for it <laughs> to some extent so um, so even though he's based on me I feel I have enough distance from him to be able to really put him through the, through the ringer you know in a classic sitcom setup if I imagine this as a new fall sitcom on uh, CBS here in the United States um, the the counterpoint to these two nerds or geeks would be a spectacularly beautiful woman who's got it all together. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and the joke and would, would be called the Big the Bang geeks. Theory. <laughs> I just said nothing of the kind. <laughs> Um, I'm, st- I'm, d- I'm still trying to get it. There's a couple of people from CBS that I want to get on this show. <laughs> um, but, uh, but your female lead, Jen, is um, in a very different way as flawed as these two central geeks. Yeah. Was that a self-conscious choice? Yeah, it was. Because um, there's nothing I hate more than the, the female character whose job is to um, comment on how crazy the men are or how silly the men are um it's something that I, I loved about friends for example you had three female characters who were in in their various different ways very very flawed and um it's what makes a good character you know like it, it without wanting to basically marge on the simpsons i always think marge is is kind of the least interesting character because she's not flawed enough her flaws aren't quite pronounced enough you know and it's maybe why i'd say if you asked a million people, you know, who their favorite character is. I don't think Maud would be in anyone's top four, top three, <laughs> you know. Uh, but um, uh, but Marge, Marge. What am I saying? Ma- not Maud, Marge. Um, and uh, um, and so you know, it's kind of important for me uh, as well to ignore any feelings of political correctness and and write a female character who um, who is uh, you know positive because. I think it uh, all it, it just it just it just kind of it just stops women being funny in, in comedies, you know. So I, I have I I've been trying to find every series. I'm I'm always speaking to Catherine. I'm kind of hunting around for anything she does that she considers negative about herself, and and, I, and I'm looking for <laughs> negative things about myself that I can give to her. And you know, it's it's just uh, because it's funny, you know. Negative stuff is funny. 
I mean, even, the, you know, last series, there was a throwaway joke where Jen said, uh, quite seriously, because she's been told this by Roy and Moss, that if you type the word Google into Google, then you'll break the internet. Um, and that kind of, uh, that one line made me realize, you know, why am I doing more jokes about Jen not understanding computers and being being particularly um, thick when it comes to computers? Because it's, a, it's an incredibly rich vein that I haven't touched yet, you know? So this new series kind of, a couple of episodes just popped into existence because of that new facet. You know, so it's kind of it's a, it, 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 every time I, I do a series, I'm, I'm writing notes for the next one, you know, and, and thinking of, uh, of more directions they can go in. I heard you describe not wanting to do an Irish show. And uh, I heard you, you know, we've just been talking about portraying nerds and geeks on TV and, you know, in portraying uh, women who are afraid of technology. Is it is it scary to you to be making characters on TV that can easily be seen to fall into types? Yeah, I know what you mean. I think, um, yeah, I guess, well, you know, I think early on on the IT crowd, we, we were getting reviews that, that said things like, you know, oh, guess what? There's a guy with glasses who's, you know, uh, and, and as if, you know, this is just such an easy thing to do and, and, um, and it was so cheap and, and uh, beneath anyone's consideration. But to me, that was a starting off point. I made the first joke about Moss deliberately uh, as, as, you know, uh, route one, um, you know, or, or as we call it, Moss 101 as possible, you know, just something that was really, really proper, you know, Route 1 geek stuff. And it was because I just wanted to get the audience settled. I wanted to, I wanted to say to them, look, here, here's who he is. Now we can have some proper fun with him, you know. And, um, and it's, it, I, don't, I don't really mind about that stuff. Ted was the same. We, we got a few early complaints that we were dealing in in what the Irish call paddywhackery, you know. Um, and, but w- w- what they didn't know is we were actually being very careful to avoid certain things. Uh, we, 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 we really kept the amount of traditional Irish music down to a minimum because I always, I always, as I always say to my, I, I hate traditional Irish music. And to me, it's the sound of madness, you know. And, um, <laughs> and, and little touches like this would be the ways that we kind of invisibly made sure that the show didn't descend into as they say, paddywhackery. Um, you know, it's the same thing with this. There's things I'm avoiding, there's things I'm not writing that uh, I could do. But as I say, I've kind of done the Route 1 stuff as the introduction to the character, and now it's time to move on and have more fun with them. Well, Graham, thank you so much for uh, taking the time to be on The Sound of Young America. It was really fun to have you. Oh, thank you, Jesse. I, I, uh, I hope that wasn't as, as boring as um, it sounded in my head. <laughs> Graham Linehan is the creator of uh, the IT Crowd, which is currently running on IFC Television in the United States Tuesday nights. He also created uh, Father Ted and Black Books, uh, or, or I should say, co-created, which are both fantastically hilarious and and worth seeking out in in various digital media, whatever country you live in. Thanks again, Graham. Thank you, Jesse. Before we go, a quick podcast-only question for the comedy super nerds. I have one more question, which is uh, for the comedy nerds who listen to the podcast. 
Um, Chris Morris was featured on uh, season one of the IT crowd, but uh, made his exit. Yeah. Um, especially, especially over here, where he's about as marginal a figure as you could possibly imagine. Right. Uh, people are just kind of wondering, what's that dude up to? Oh, wow. Well, he's doing something really interesting. Um, I, I, all I can say is uh, go to Warp Films uh, online. Google Warp Films, and uh, and I think you'll be able to find out a bit more. The thing about Chris is he kind of swears <clears throat> all his friends to silence on what he's doing, so I never know how much I'm able to say about things. All, all I'll say is I think basically he's he's doing a film, is, 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 is what I know, and it needs funding. And Warp Films is, is, um, is coming up with a very interesting way of, of getting that funding, you know. But it's... Um, but it's uh, I can't. I really shouldn't. I don't think I can say anything more about it because the other thing is Chris. Chris lies to everybody uh, so that he so that you won't know. He'll say he'll say, "Oh, it's a game show," <laughs> you know, just to throw you off the scent, you know. So uh, you can never really be absolutely sure with Chris that you're actually um, that 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 you are, he is actually telling you the truth. So I might repeat it and then be totally off the uh, to- totally uh, totally wrong. That's our time for another Sound of Young America program. I've been your host, Jesse Thorne, America's radio sweetheart. The show produced by Speaking Into Microphones. Our theme music written and performed by Dan Grayson with help from myself. Interstitial music provided by Dan Wally. Our intern, Casey O'Brien. Editor in Chicago, Nick White. You can find us online at MaximumFun.org, where you will find the vast archive of past Sound of Young America programs, among other things. You can always email me directly if you have thoughts about the show, jesse at MaximumFun.org, or you can post them on our forums. We'll see you next time on The Sound of Young America.